You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Welcome Dale the episode Jr. is on the phone. The Outdoor Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. People? And we got ourselves a fun little Tuesday episode of the Eratoras pod for you. Here's what you need to know. So it was a little bit of a quiet day in college football, but shout out Deion Sanders. He was featured on 60 Minutes. He said something very interesting about his coaching future that I want to discuss here because I think this is big. If you're Auburn, if you're Georgia Tech, if you're somebody who will have a coaching opening this year from there. It's college hoop season, baby. We're going to talk about the AP Top 25 being released on Tuesday, some of my overall thoughts on that, and then we will wrap with some recruiting news. Kentucky, another five-star, Aaron Bradshaw has committed to the Wildcats. I tell you what this means, but also not just this one player, what it means for this class, why the number one player in America could be committing next, and why I think this is just the beginning of another insane recruiting run for Kentucky couple quick things before we get started. One, the new mic is here, people. I got a lot of feedback on Monday's show about the, the sound quality. Again, I'm not going to belabor the point, but I appreciate everybody being patient. We moved to a YouTube show five days a week. There's been a lot of moving parts. So thank you for the patience with the show. The new mic has been great. I appreciate your support, and the quality of sound is so much better. So nerding out on the sound quality there to start the show. I want to thank you. I also want to thank... Our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred, I've already told you, started in 1967 in the UK, have come to the US and made a big splash. They are the presenting gambling sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies, and of Aaron Torres Media. And here's the great part. They do more for their betters than anybody else. I've already told you, they do tailgates at the Broncos game. We sent two listeners of the show with friends to the tailgate in the Broncos uh, at the most recent Broncos home game. Also on top of that bar crawls in Arizona, uh, some cool stuff coming in Ohio as Ohio gets set to launch sports betting on January one of 2023. So big things ahead. And right now here is how you can take advantage. Uh, if you are a first time user, go to the Betfred Sportsbook. you bet $50 on any game this coming weekend, college pro, whatever game that you like this Saturday in college football, 
You can bet it. Bet 50. Get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. It is the best deal going in sports betting. They are a great company. I'm thrilled to be working with them. And we got some big things ahead for the Aaron Torres pod. Thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. Thank you to them, our presenting sponsor. Also, want to thank Bracket Fanatics, who, of course, is our sponsor of our season-long Aaron Torres pod pick'em challenge. Week six of the NFL is already done. It is not too late to sign up for this bad boy. Here's what you got to do. Go to BracketFanatics.com. Click the Join Bracket tab. The bracket name is Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. Hopefully, you know how to spell my name, but if you don't, go ahead and sign up now. First prize, every week, we are giving away $100, $100 every single week, two winners. We have five winners so far. We will name our week six winner later this week. Congratulations to Decade of Dysfunction, a Tennessee fan who won week five, the $100 cash prize. Also, and this is important, season-long $1,000 cash prize courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. It is the best offer going. It's free to enter. That's all you got to do. Bracketfanatics.com. Join Bracket, Bracket Torres, and you are automatically entered to win $100 weekly winners, $1,000 season-long cash prize. Oh, with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll just tell you, uh, Monday was like a little bit of a quiet day in college football. It was really interesting, right? I, I feel like I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee in a frat house or something. Saturday was crazy. Sunday, the reaction was crazy. And then Monday, you wake up and you're like, that was a great weekend. What is even going on? We had a bunch of great games. Tennessee, Alabama was the headliner. Obviously, outside of that, USC, Utah was awesome. TCU, Oklahoma State was awesome. Penn State, Michigan, not so much. But it was a crazy weekend, and Monday felt like the hangover day where it was like, what is really going on in this sport? What is there to talk about? Well, there was one piece of news on an otherwise quiet day that I do want to discuss, and it involves one of my favorite people in college football, bar none, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. So on Sunday, a little show called 60 Minutes. Not sure if you've heard of it. It's been on TV for about 70 years. I hope you have heard of it. By the way, if you've heard of the Aaron Torres pod, but not, not 60 Minutes, shout out to you. You're my favorite kind of human. But with that said, 60 Minutes on Sunday, aired an interview with Deion Sanders, and he actually addressed something that I think all of us in college football are curious about. What would happen if one of these big-time schools with a big-time job opening were actually to offer him a job? And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you what he said in a minute, but before we get into it, I need to give you a little bit of context because what I can tell you point blank, Deion Sanders is one of the most fascinating people that we have ever seen on the coaching carousel for a number of different reasons. One, I think we all know he's coach prime, played in the NFL, Hall of Famer, icon. But what I think a lot of people underestimate, this guy is a really good football coach, okay? Like, I think there's this thought that, oh, people want to hire him because he's Deion Sanders. Well, that's certainly a part of it. But if he had the resume that he's building at Jackson State and his name was Mike Smith instead of Deion Sanders, he would still be a very... A hot coaching candidate. Right now, Jackson State currently sits at 6-0 and this season. And I don't claim to be a SWAC FCS expert, but they've won four of their games by 30-plus points in this season. 6-0, and 30-plus point wins in three games. That sounds pretty freaking good to me. On top of that, you go back to last year, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. 
He went 11 and two last year, 11 and one against FCS opponents. So he did play an FBS team, lost a game to a team that had more scholarship players, recruited at a different level, all that stuff. So in his last two years, he is now 17 and one against like-minded competition, against competition that is competing on the same level as him, with the same scholarships as him, with the same resources as him. He's sitting in a little ho-hum 17 and one with four wins by 30 plus points this year. Beyond that, he's already done something that a lot of guys, frankly, at the highest levels of college football has not yet proven their ability to do. Deion Sanders has proved and proven, that's probably the right word I should use, he has proven that he can recruit at the highest levels of college football. We all know about Travis Hunter, the number one high school player in America who could have gone to anywhere, was committed to Florida State, recruited by Georgia, Alabama, you name it, and decided at the last minute, rather than sign with Florida State, he was going to go to Jackson State. I don't know the number of coaches in college football right now that have signed the number one prospect in America. I bet you could probably count them on one to one and a half hands. And I bet none of them ever did it at the the, the FCS level. I know for a fact none of them did it because Dion was the first to do it. I think what's also important to know with Dion, I think people forget. Everybody remembers Travis Hunter. He also signed a high four-star named Kevin Coleman, a wide receiver last year that was like ranked somewhere in like the 50 to 60 range in the 24-7 recruiting rankings. To me, that's important. Anybody can make one huge splash, but he signed two top 60 players. There aren't a lot of programs in college football that did that last year. I'll give you an example. Hate to throw a guy under the bus. Brian Harson, the coach at Auburn, has never signed a player as highly ranked as the two players that Deion Sanders signed last year. So he's already proven he can do something that a lot of school coaches haven't, including the guy currently sitting at Auburn, who I don't think we think is going to have a job for very much longer. Finally, what I would say is why Dion is such a fascinating character on the coaching carousel beyond the win-loss record in the recruiting. I don't think anybody really knows what Dion wants out of his coaching experience. Now, one thing he did say in that 60 minutes interview, he said, I don't want to coach in the NFL because I love football so much that if a guy's making millions and he's not love it, he doesn't love it as much as me. I think the exact quote he used, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said, I'd choke him out at halftime. Like I can't deal with guys that are being paid millions that don't love football. So we know he's not going to the NFL, but what's interesting about Dion Sanders, we don't know what his end game is, right? Because for most coaches, the end game is obvious. You get to the highest level you can, the most money you can get, get paid the most, set up your family for the next you know, two, three generations, right? Like Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal, Brian Kelly, their families are set for a very long time because they got to the highest levels, made the most money, and they're pretty good to go. Well, Dion's already made tens of millions of dollars. And so I, I, nobody really knows what his end game is. Is it to coach at the highest level? Is it to make the most money? Or is it to continue to have success at the HBCU level and elevate HBCU programs as a whole? Something he's talked about quite a bit. And so nobody really knows. He keeps a tight inner circle. Because of who he is, he doesn't have to do all the media song and dance that all these other candidates have to do to get their names out there and to keep them out there. And so we really don't know what Dion's endgame is. With that said, let's get to what he actually said, because, you know, I, I did a long song and dance to get to what he said, but he was asked specifically on 60 Minutes if he would actually be interested in taking one of these power five jobs at the highest levels of coaching. Here is what Deion Sanders said on 60 Minutes. He said, 
And I quote, he said, I'm going to have to entertain it. Yes, I'm going to have to entertain it straight up. I'd be a fool not to. To which I say, if you're an Auburn fan that wants Deion Sanders as your head coach, I would be dancing in the streets right now. And I'd be calling up your big boosters, Jimmy Rain and everybody else and saying, hey, let's back up the Brinks truck for Deion Sanders if that's who you believe is the best head coach. Now, I think Auburn, when they fire Brian Harson, is going to have some great candidates. I think Hugh Freeze is going to be great. If Lane Kiffin wants a job, he's great. But if you believe that Brian Hart or that Deion Sanders is the guy, that is the exact quote that you want to hear. I'm going to have to entertain it. Yes, I'm going to have to entertain it straight up. I'd be a fool not to. And so what I would say is a couple things. I know there's a couple people, people probably saying, Torres, that doesn't mean anything. Of course, what is he going to say? He can't deny it because if he denies it, then that means that if he ever takes a job, people will use it against him. Well, I do sort of agree with that. I would push back a little bit and let me explain why. Here's why. It's because of something pretty simple. There is a way where if you really have no interest in leaving the HBCU level or leaving the FCS level, you can say it in a way where you kind of leave things open-ended, but also make it clear that you're happy there, right? Like there is a way that he could say, listen, my dream isn't to coach at the highest. Like, 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 let me be Deion Sanders, who really has no interest in coaching at the Power 5 level. I get asked the same question. Are you going to coach at the Power 5 level? Here's what I would say if I had no interest at all. I'd say, well, you never say never. I'm a 1,000% happy here. And listen, could my priorities change in two, three, five, ten 10 years from now? Is there a job or two, including my alma mater, that I would have to listen to? Absolutely. But for the most part, this is where I want to be and this is who I want to be coaching. And I can't see a scenario where I'm leaving Jackson State unless it is the perfect opportunity. By the way, I did that right off the top of my head. I could be a head coach. I couldn't call X's and O's. I couldn't call plays, but I got the coach speak down to a science. So there are ways that Deion Sanders could have answered that question that very much could have framed it in a much different way. But that is not how he framed it at all. Instead, he said, I'm going to have to entertain it. Yeah, I'm going to have to entertain it straight up. I'd be a fool not to. And so, like I said, if you're one of these schools that is interested in Deion Sanders, I think this is a great day. I don't know who represents him. I don't know who his agent is. But if I'm that person, I'm getting. if I'm an AD at one of these schools that's available, I'm getting on the phone and calling right away and saying, hey, can I get 10 minutes with Deion? Can I get a sit down with Deion? Because I think he's interested. Now, I don't think he's going to leave for any job, right? Like, obviously... I don't think he's a perfect fit at Wisconsin as an example. I can't see Dion, you know, Dion doing dairy farms. Okay. I don't think that that's where we're going with this one. Uh, I don't think Colorado has the money or the resources. Uh, you know, ASU, I, I don't know. I mean, I, do they have the money? Do they have the resources? Do they have whatever? But I'll tell you this. It does sound to me like he's interested. Now, keep in mind this, and he's interested in, in other jobs. Maybe Auburn, maybe another SEC job. Obviously, Florida State, it sounds like he's at least interested. And it is worth noting, by the way, he's mentioned that he's interviewed for Power Fives. Mentioned that he interviewed for Arkansas when Sam Pittman got the job. What I found interesting, and I don't think people have talked about it enough, he said that he interviewed for TCU. TCU, the only time that they've opened in the last, this, let me rephrase, the only time the TCU job has opened this century was last offseason which means as recently as last offseason, he was interviewing for jobs. And so I bring it up to say, if I'm an Auburn fan today that wants Dion, if I'm a Georgia Tech fan, remember, Dion played in Atlanta, that wants Dion. 
I think today's a great day. Listen, I don't think he's going to take every job, but I'll tell you that quote to me was very revealing. And that quote to me, I think it means that he is probably more interested in moving up the power five ladder than I thought. Because again, it's hard to gauge. It's hard to know. It's hard to, to read him. But I always, I got the sense he's coaching the, in the group of five or the, the, the FCS. He's coaching at HBCUs and he loves it. Well, I get the sense that he's open to listening and I get the sense that for the right job, he's willing, uh, he's willing to leave. So Auburn back up those Brinks trucks, Georgia tech. I don't know how good your booster situation is, but figure it out. Dion is ready coach. Let me put it this way. Coach prime is ready for prime time. Make it happen, guys. Make it happen. All right. That's what I want to do. Great first segment, by the way. Do you want to take a quick break? I do want to come back. And when I come back, we're going to switch gears to college hoops. College hoops, three weeks away from debuting. Three weeks away. We're going to talk about the AP Top 25. I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the teams that I like, some of the teams that I don't. And then we'll come back and get to some recruiting news from over the weekend. I'm going to take a quick break. And you know what I'm going to do? Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit of college hoops. College hoops is crazy as it sounds. We're just like, we're literally three weeks away from college hoops. It doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem conceivable. I can't believe that we are almost there. Yet here we are just a few weeks away from the start of college basketball season. And if you needed an indicator of how close we actually are to college hoops, well, it actually came on Monday when the first AP poll of the college basketball season, the preseason AP poll came out. And so what I want to do here over the next few minutes is react to what I saw and just share my general thoughts about the AP poll. And one thing I will say is two, well, really two things. One, I know how all of you feel about AP polls and polls in general. And I think you all know how I feel about polls. Ultimately, they really don't mean all that much. In college football, we have the college football playoff poll, which is the one that actually matters. In college basketball, we have this thing called the NCAA tournament, which is the part that matters. And so polls really don't matter all that much. But at the same time, as I always say about polls, if we're going to do them, we might as well do them right. And so what I want to do is react and basically tear apart everybody that votes in them. No, I'm just kidding. We have a lot of great voters. But I do obviously have some reactions. I want to share the teams that I think the voters got right, the ones that they got wrong, uh, teams that are overrated, teams that are underrated. Just basically go through 10, 12 minutes of college basketball, and then we'll get to the Kentucky recruiting news to wrap the show. 
But before I get into kind of all my reaction, first of all, let me just read you the top 10 just to kind of give give everyone some context here on what we're looking at in terms of college basketball as we get closer to the start of the season. First AP poll is dropped on Monday. Here's the top 10. North Carolina, which obviously played in the national championship game last year, is number one. Gonzaga is number two. Houston, who I like a lot, is number three. Kentucky, number four. Kansas, the reigning national champion, tied with Baylor. Same number of votes at five. Number seven is Duke. First-year head coach John Shire. Eight is UCLA. Nine is Creighton. Ten is Arkansas. Some other kind of interesting notable ones. Indiana, number 13. This is their highest ranking in pretty much forever. They're also the highest ranked Big Ten team in the poll. First time since 1977 that no Big Ten team is ranked in the top 10 and none should. Villanova is 16, first year without Jay Wright. Uh, Arizona, 17. I think they're interesting. San Diego State, a really good team at 19. Alabama, 20. Rounding out the top 25, Oregon at 21, Michigan at 22, Illinois at 23, Dayton at 24, and Texas Tech at 25. So let's get into some reaction. Let me start by saying this. Since I'm a man of the people, since I'm not always one to always complain and you know what and moan, let me start by saying this. Pollsters, congratulations. You got the right team right at number one. And it's interesting, right? Because there's this weird thing going on right now of is North Carolina overrated? They made a run late. Uh, And Ken Pomeroy did release his top 10. And I think, or he released his rankings, I should say. And I think North Carolina actually came in at number nine. So what I would say about that, first of all, you guys know my stance on Ken Palm and in general, analytics in general. I just think they're a nice tool. They're an important tool. They should absolutely be used and consulted. They shouldn't be the only tool. And I don't believe North Carolina is the ninth best team in the country. And I'm not saying Ken Palm is wrong. I'm just saying this is my own personal opinion. I do think North Carolina is the correct team at number one. Keep in mind, it wasn't just an NCAA tournament run last year for North Carolina. They were really pretty good over the final two months of the season, as I've told you many times. After they lost to Duke for the first time in the, the, you know, they play them two times in the regular season. They played the first one in Chapel Hill. After that game, North Carolina went 13-3 and over their final 16 games. That included a win over Duke at Cameron Indoor. Duke was a really good team. Four first-round picks I think they ended up having. Uh, They beat Duke in the Final Four. They beat Baylor, the reigning national champion. They beat UCLA, who we're going to get into in a minute. So do not tell me that, oh, they just got hot in the tournament. No, they were really good over the final two, three months of the season, and now they bring back four starters, including Armando Baycott, the the runner-up for ACC Player of the Year. They bring back Caleb Love, who I think will be a first-round pick. They bring back R.J. Davis, who was really good, and they also bring in an impact transfer in Pete Nance, from Northwestern. By the way, I should say, before I get to the rest of my uh, thoughts on the poll, if you missed it about two weeks ago, we did top 10 storylines in college basketball. I'm not going to do deep, deep, deep dives on all these teams. You can go back and look at the, uh, you can go back and listen to my top 10 storylines because I think that's going to cover a lot of what we're talking about now. But I do think the pollsters got North Carolina right at number one. Let me just say this. I do not agree with Gonzaga at number two. And what I'm not going to do, don't worry, I'm not going to do the Torres freak out, yell, scream, you know, throw my arms around if you're watching on YouTube. I get why Gonzaga is number one. It seems as though for most of the media, I'm not one that subscribes to this. I think most of the media truly believes that it's North Carolina or Gonzaga at number one. I disagree, and I'll tell you why. Listen, I, I by the way, I have them top five, top seven, somewhere in there. 
Um, but I would have Houston ranked ahead of them. I would have UCLA ranked ahead of them. I would have Kentucky ranked ahead of them for sure. So that's about a five, six range, whatever. But what I would say about Gonzaga, everybody loves Drew Timmy. I get all that. Let's remember, they lost a veteran point guard, Andrew Nemhard, first pick of the second round in the NBA draft. And they lost the number two pick in the draft, Chet Holmgren, who was their best, you know, probably their best overall player, rim protector, shot blocker. And while I like this team, I wouldn't say that I absolutely love it. And I think what's important to note, I understand they bring back a lot. They, they have a player. I think uh, there's one player I do want you to keep your eye on, Julian Strother. He's a wing. I saw him in Vegas against Duke last year when Gonzaga played Duke. I think he's going to be one of those players that plays himself into the first round of the NBA this year. But what I would also say about Gonzaga is I do think their entire season kind of boils down to they don't have a point guard right now that we know they can rely on. They have two really good sophomore guards, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas. And ultimately what it comes down to is does one of those guys develop into a really good college point guard? Because you can do a lot of things in college basketball. You can have shooting. You can have three-point space. You know, you can have rebounding, shot blocking, whatever. If you don't have good point guard play, it doesn't matter. And right now, I would say Gonzaga's point guard play is fine. I don't know if it's elite, though. And until I see if it's elite, uh, I can't get too excited about this team. Now, the good thing for Gonzaga, we are going to find out how elite that point guard play is early. Remember, they play Michigan State on the first Friday of the season on an aircraft carrier, a game that I am hoping to be at. The following week, they play at Texas. They host Kentucky the week after that. So I bring all of this up to just say that we are going to learn very, 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 very quickly if Gonzaga's point guard play is good enough. I wouldn't have Gonzaga at number two. Like I said, I'm not going to freak out. Two teams in the top 10 that I do think are underrated. Let's start with number eight, UCLA. Listen, I think you can make a case for UCLA as high as number two, potentially number three. First of all, if you remember back to last year, a couple things. Keep in mind, two years ago, COVID bubble, they make the final four. I think what's easy to forget last year, they cruise into the Sweet 16. Their best player, Jaime Jaquez, is hurt. They play North Carolina. They're basically one defensive stop away from beating North Carolina. Caleb Love hits a big shot. North Carolina ends up winning. And why that matters is UCLA was basically a defensive stop from playing St. Peter's to go to the Final Four. So they're, they're, we could be seriously looking at back-to-back Final Four appearances from UCLA. And you look at this team, and what I would say about UCLA, listen, I've been following college basketball for 20-plus years now. There's a pretty clear formula to what it takes to win a national championship. You need good guard play. You need NBA caliber players. And you need veterans. You can't, it's really hard to do the one and done thing, right? And UCLA has all that. Tiger Campbell, their starting point guard, I believe it's his fifth year in the program, his fourth year as a starter. That's like inconceivable in modern college basketball. He is back for a fourth year as a starter in college basketball. That's insane. Jaime Jaquez is kind of that hybrid. He is an NBA prospect, potential first rounder who also is a fourth-year player in the program, second-leading scorer, leading rebounder last year. And we found out after the fact he was playing on a really bad ankle that required surgery. Imagine how good he will be at 100%. And then UCLA does have two freshmen that are really good. Amari Bailey, the point guard, is really good. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. I was talking to somebody at UCLA the other day. They said he's a good teammate. Um, He's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands. He doesn't need the spotlight. I think he's going to be really good. And then a Dembona. Um, I was talking to Sean Farnham, the guy from ESPN, stu- superstar analyst. 
He said a Dembona reminds him of a young Amari Stoudemire, that athletic, that physical, that tough around the rim. And you add that athleticism to UCLA. Oh, it's scary season for the Bruins. I think you could have them as high as number two. I would have no problem with it. I should mention Sean Farnham. I told you I talked to him. He said he had UCLA at number three coming into the year. And so to me, if Sean Farnham says they're number three, they're really good. The other top 10 team that I think is a little bit underrated. Well, I would say two. I do like Creighton more than most. Creighton is a, a, a kind of the analytics versus the eye test kind of darling of this offseason. The analytics don't like them. I don't really care about the analytics. They have two really good point guards, Ryan Nemhard, Andrew Nemhard's younger brother, Sharif Mitchell. Both were hurt late in the year. They have maybe the best center in the Big East in Ryan Kalkbrenner. They have an NBA draft prospect in Arthur Kaluma on the wing. And they added Baylor Shireman, one of the best transfers. I think they're underrated at number nine. And I would also say, I do think Arkansas at number 10 is a little bit underrated. Um, listen, I've talked about Arkansas a ton. But one, we can just trust Coach Muss at this point, right? Back-to-back Elite Eights always playing their best basketball late. Um, and they're going to be in the mix late. I would all, I would also say on paper, this is the best team that he's had coming into a season. Now, they're super young. It's going to take time. But as I've told you many times, three McDonald's All-Americans, Anthony Black, uh, Jordan Walsh, and Nick Smith, the potential number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft. They, I would also add, there's another freshman who has been blowing up behind the scenes. Barry Dunning has really impressed uh, people around that program, according to some reports. And the transfers are really good. Um, Trevon Brazil, I think, is going to be a first-round pick. I think him and Jacob Toppin from Kentucky are the breakout players for this season. Um, also, Jalen Graham. Arkansas had a close, uh, an open practice on Sunday. Jalen Graham was supposedly a star, according to our Torres on the Hogs guys. So I do like Arkansas to be a little bit underrated. I would add Tennessee at 11 is a little bit underrated. They returned most everybody off of a team that was red hot going into the NCAA tournament last year. I really do like Tennessee as a little bit of an underrated team. Most overrated team to me. I really don't get the Texas hype, okay? Texas comes in at number 12. They return a bunch off of last year's team. And a couple things stand out. They weren't that good last year. And listen, they were hyped including by me, I am responsible as anybody for hyping Texas. I had them in my preseason Final Four. But you watched them last year, and it just never really clicked throughout the season. They, they were good. They were fine. I don't know that they were ever great at any point, and that's backed up by the fact that they never won more than three games in a row in Big 12 play last season. Think about that. They, once conference play started, they never won more than three games in a row. They entered the NCAA tournament at 20 uh, – what are we looking at here – They entered the NCAA tournament at 22 and 10 overall, 22 and 11 overall. Um, And I would say, look, they did win an NCAA tournament game. They beat Virginia Tech in round one. They lose in round two. This year, they actually bring back most of the core that was a little bit dysfunctional for them last year. Timmy Allen's back. Good player. Tough player. Not really a three-point shooter. Christian Bishop is back. Not a shooter. Uh, And Marcus Carr is back. And Marcus Carr played point guard last year. Now, what they're trying to sell you is that he's better off the ball. I disagree. I don't think he is. Um, And they have brought in Tyrese Hunter, one of the top transfers from Iowa State, to play on the ball. I think that causes friction. I don't think that Marcus Carr is better off the ball. And I would add, I don't really think most of their problems from last season were fixed. Last year, they couldn't shoot. Well, Tyrese Hunter is a good shooter, but nobody else really is. 
They brought in another super athletic freshman, Dylan Mitchell, who's a potential first-round pick NBA draft-type talent, but he's an athlete freak kind of guy. He's not a, a you know, he's not a, a, a skill uh, Villanova ball fake kind of guy. So I just, I'm not excited about this team. I would have had them in the fringes of my top 25. I did have them in the fringes of my top 25. I get it. I guess I like it. I don't love it. I think they're too high at number 12. Uh, and really quickly, let, let's hit on a couple other teams. And what I would say is, you know, the back half of the top 25, I don't have any major, major, major gripes with. I don't think Oregon should be ranked, but history kind of tells you Dana Altman's going to be pretty good. I get it, whatever. Um, Michigan, I think, is fine. I don't think they're elite, but they've made back-to-back Sweet 16s and Elite 8 in 2021 under Juwan Howard, so I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Texas Tech at 25, their best big man just got hurt. I don't think they should be ranked, but I'll tell you this. There are three top 25, uh, three teams not in the top 25 that I, I, I think are just complete whiffs. The first one, You guys and girls are going to laugh, but I'm going to say it. I think UConn not being a top 25 team is blasphemous. Like I have them in the 15 to 18 range. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Torres, you're a UConn alum. You're a UConn fan. Of course you have them in. It's not about that. Let me just, what do I tell you all the time on this show sometimes? What do I tell you? I say, let's talk it out. Let's just say something out loud and tell me if it makes sense to you. So the core of UConn coming into the year, they have an all-Big East first-team player in Adama Sonogo. Adama Sonogo was first-team all-Big East last year. He is back, 18, 19 points, 9 rebounds per game. They have two other players that are veterans that are projected as first-round picks for next year's NBA draft. Andre Jackson, who just got hurt, and Jordan Hawkins, who is a sophomore who should be really good for them. I would add, I like their transfer portal additions, most notably Tristan Newton, guard from East Carolina. But take out the transfer. If I just told you all Big East first team, all conference first team, 19 points, nine rebounds per game, and two first round picks, is any other team in the country with those credentials not being ranked right now? Like if Duke had that caliber of player returning, forget recruiting, forget whatever, and they wouldn't because they don't recruit players that are multi-year college players, any other team in the country. Two returning first-round NBA draft picks plus an all-conference forward? That team's probably number one in the country. I'm not saying UConn should be number one. Like I said, I have about 17-18 in my preseason poll, but not ranked at all? Ranked ahead of Texas Tech, who just lost their best big man for most of the season? Ahead of Illinois that's going to have a freshman point guard in Sky Clark? Behind Oregon? I know I said ahead of Illinois, but you know what I'm saying. Behind Illinois? Behind Oregon, who missed the NCAA tournament last year? I'm just saying, look, I think in the big picture with UConn, there are questions. Dan Hurley does have to win an NCAA tournament game at some point. UConn fans, back-to-back tournament bids are starting to get restless. I think it's ridiculous. I think he's got the program on the perfect trajectory. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is, are they they one of the top 25 teams right now? And the answer is yes. Really quickly, two other top 25 teams that I think that missed the cut that I think the pollsters just whiffed on. One, they are the reigning... NIT champion, the Xavier Musketeers. Remember, they're coached by Sean Miller now. And you can criticize Sean Miller for what happened in Arizona. What is the stat that I always tell you? Well, one, he's made a bunch of tournament runs. How about this first stat? Do you know that Sean Miller has the third highest winning percentage in the history of the Pac-12 conference? The only guys that are higher, John Wooden, Lute Olsen, and then it's Sean Miller. 
That sounds crazy, but it's the truth. You can Google it. Sean Miller is a great coach. They returned their top four or five guys off last year's NIT team. Not their top five. I think four of the top six off that NIT championship team that was clearly good enough to go to the NCAA tournament. Colby Jones is another guy that's a projected first-round pick. Zach Fremantle and Jack Nunji up front are big, physical, low-post players. And they're just going to be much better coached than they were. I don't understand how they're not in the top 25. I'll take it a step further. The team that they beat in the NIT title game, Texas A&M, should be as well. Uh, Texas A&M returns four starters, another team that was red hot late in the year. Remember, they went to the SEC championship game where they lost to Tennessee. They beat Florida in a bubble game in day one. They beat Auburn, the top seed. They beat Arkansas, who made an Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. Buzz Williams is a star. I'll just tell you, I talked to somebody around Texas A&M not that long ago. They really like their team. But what I would say, top 25 pollsters, you whiffed on not having Texas A&M. All right, what I want to do. Do want to take a quick break? Do want to come back? And we will wrap with some recruiting news. Five-star, Aaron Bradshaw, committed to Kentucky over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about what he means for next year's Kentucky team. But then we'll also talk about what could be next for Kentucky. Number one player in America appears to be on the brink. But then also, there's some other variables as well that are interesting at Kentucky. We're going to talk about it all next. Take a quick break. Where will I be? You already know where I'll be. I'll be perfect. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with a, just a little bit more college hoops news. Obviously, as I just told you, top 25 dropped on Monday. A whole bunch of stuff coming here over the next couple of weeks in the lead up to the season, which is, you know, really literally just right around the corner. But there was actually quite a big piece of recruiting news that dropped on Friday that we simply just haven't had the chance to talk about yet here on the Aaron Torres pod. It came from the University of Kentucky, and and I should kind of contextualize. uh, This past weekend, we had a bunch of those pre 
you know, preseason uh, events. You know, we used to call them Midnight Madness. We don't call them Midnight Madness anymore. But Kentucky had their big blue madness. Arkansas had an open scrimmage. A bunch of schools across the country doing a bunch of different things. Well, Kentucky had their big blue madness. And they had just an insane visitor list come to campus to Rupp Arena for Big Blue Madness. Number one player in the class of 2023, DJ Wagner. Number two player in the class of 2023, Justin Edwards, who's already committed to Kentucky, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, I might add. Number six player in America, Aaron Bradshaw was on campus, as was Reed Shepard. A couple really good 2024 prospects as well. And so what I want to do now is talk about the big piece of news that came at Big Blue Madness. Because as I said, Aaron Bradshaw, the number six player in the high school class of 2023, seven foot one center from New Jersey. He made a very surprise commitment late Friday night when it came to college basketball. Aaron Bradshaw, number six player in America. Drum roll, please. He committed to probably shouldn't be surprising. He was on Kentucky's campus and he commits to the University of Kentucky solidifying what is shaping up to be one of the great classes in the history of the John Calipari era at Kentucky. John Calipari has already gotten commitments from the number two player in the class, Justin Edwards, the number nine player in the class, Robert Dillingham, Reed Shepard, a top 25 player whose father played at Kentucky, now has a commitment from the number six player in America and Aaron Bradshaw. And I'd add, there is one big piece left to this class, which I think is going to drop here in the coming weeks. Let's talk about it all. First of all, I will say this. The Aaron Bradshaw news was legitimately stunning, okay? Kind of a strange recruitment for him. And listen, this happens in recruiting sometimes. As I always say, it doesn't make him a bad person. doesn't make his fan. Well, whatever. The bottom line was this was a kid that seemed as though he was ready to commit back in July. Uh, All signs pointed towards Kentucky back in July. Then we find out that his mother really kind of just said, hey, Aaron, great name, by the way. She's got great taste in names, neither here nor there. But she said, hey, Aaron, you know, I just think, you know, this is a life changing decision. Take some more time. Let's kind of really think this thing through before you make any decision. And so after that, at that point, you know, Louisville's recruiting him. The G League Ignite program is in the mix. And of course, Kentucky is as well. And at the time, the belief was he's going to take some more visits in the fall. He's going to make his commitment in mid-November at the end of the early signing period. And none of it really kind of, uh, you know, none of it really sort of happened. So there was always this belief that, you know, once he didn't really make a bunch of visits after he said he would, that it was going to maybe come a little bit quicker than anticipated. But even as recently as last week, I talked to somebody, you know, somebody that's pretty smart on this stuff. And I didn't get the sense from them that there was any indication that this kid was going to commit. Only he does. And now he adds a fascinating piece to this 2023 Kentucky class and really the 2023-2024 Kentucky team in general because I do think when you look at Kentucky and I'm not going to go crazy overboard breaking down depth charts but you look at this Kentucky team I I do think there's going to be uh, this year there's actually quite a few players returning to Kentucky I do think next year you're probably looking at some pretty significant roster turnover I know there's some talk that Oscar Shibwe may return for yet another season because of NIL opportunities I'll believe that when I see it, not to say it can't happen, but I'll believe it. Same with Severe Wheeler, who will have probably graduated by that point. The point guard, you'd think Kaysen Wallace will go pro. You'd think Jacob Toppin would go pro. And there's two or three other guys that are kind of on the fence. And so now with a four-player recruiting class that features four top 25 players and three top 10 players, John Calipari and his staff can sleep at night, right? 
you have uh, the point guard is set. Rob Dillingham, number nine player in America, number one point guard in America is committed to Kentucky. So that spot's good to go. Justin Edwards, I've mentioned him a few times, number two player in America, a wing. He's good to go there. Now you have not one, but two shot blockers in the low post. Aaron Bradshaw, as I said, a seven foot one player. I really, really, really like his talent. Um, you know, one thing about him, seven foot one, but he plays hard from everything I've seen. You know, over the years, it's been kind of a talk of kind of improving his motor. Every time I've seen him in person, the motor has been great, but plays really hard, flushes everything at the rim, elite shot blocker. Oh, by the way, an improving jump shot. And I think that's important to note because Kentucky actually already signed an elite shot blocker in the class of 2022, who was originally part of 2023, Ugana Kingsley. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about him. He was supposed to be a senior this coming season, decides to reclassify, decides to enroll at Kentucky. And the idea was it was almost Aaron Bradshaw insurance. We don't know if we're going to get this five-star kid. So let's take this other kid. Let's bring him in. Let's either let him red shirt or really ease his way into college basketball. And he'll be ready to go for 2023, 2024. Well, now there's a very good chance that you got both of them. Now, one thing about college basketball, you never want to look too far ahead and project out rosters. But if you get both, you can't put a price on having two elite shot blockers, one a top five prospect, another who has a year of college basketball experience under his belt. I'm just telling you, shot blocking changes games. Look at what Duke was like last year with Mark Williams on the floor, Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga. You can't put a price on having two seven-footers, which is exactly what Kentucky will have and I really like how all the pieces have started to come together for next season, 2023-2024. I would add, there is one very obvious piece that could still be coming that we need to discuss that I think is going to come here in the next couple of weeks. And that is DJ Wagner, the player who I just mentioned, is the number one high school player in the class of 2023. Uh, and I'll just tell you this, nothing's guaranteed in recruiting. But if you, there couldn't be more signs that it's ultimately going to be Kentucky. Now, we've talked about this kid a million times. Father played for John Calipari at Memphis. Grandfather played at Louisville. Grandfather gets hired by Kenny Payne. And we all thought it was a done deal to Louisville. Well, fast forward, and a couple things have changed since then. One, just all of the buzz and all of the momentum has gone towards Kentucky over probably the past probably eight weeks or so since kind of the end of July into August, kind of that end of the recruiting period. Two, and this is really important, well, really three things. One, he visited Kentucky this past weekend. He doesn't plan on visiting Louisville. I think that's a great sign since he's already visited both campuses. But three, he signed an NIL deal with Nike. He is officially a Nike athlete as a college basketball, high school basketball player going into college. Uh, yeah, that's a great sign for Kentucky because at the end of the day, we've talked about this. I'm not saying it could never happen, but I just don't really see the scenario where a kid signs a deal with Nike as a Nike athlete and then goes pl and plays at another college. It's not what Nike wants. I'll be honest. I don't know. It's what Louisville and Adidas want. Now, Kenny Payne might want it as the Louisville basketball coach, but if you're Louisville and you're one of the flagship Adidas programs, I don't know that the folks at Adidas are over the moon to have your best player wearing Nikes. And so to me, it doesn't officially eliminate Louisville, but it kind of sort of eliminates Louisville in this conversation. And so DJ Wagner, he's not really being aggressively recruited by very many others. I just think it's a matter of if not when this guy officially becomes a Wildcat, then you're talking about the top two guards in this class, basically. The number one player, DJ Wagner, uh, Rob Dillingham as well. 
uh, the best wing in this class and the best shot blocker of this class. That is a heck of a place to start with this roster. And then you're obviously going to have one or two returnees, maybe a few more. You're going to add some plug and play transfers. That's going to be a really, really, really good team going into next year. Uh, in terms of DJ Wagner, I would say I would think this thing is going to happen soon. I don't see why you drag it on. I don't think the family is about creating drama or anything around the recruitment. That's not what they've been like since that this recruitment process started. I don't think it's who they're going to be going forward. So DJ Wagner, I would expect to commit here in the near future. I think he's going to be a wildcat. And then we are talking about a historic class for Kentucky. We talked about this, by the way, in the summer, the potential for a historic recruiting run. So far, it is it. Uganda Kingsley commits for the class of 2023, then reclassifies to 2022. Justin Edwards commits. That's on top of Rob Dillingham. Now you get Aaron Bradshaw. Now you get DJ Wagner. We don't officially have DJ Wagner, but I think we all think it's going to happen. So that's where we're at with Kentucky. That's where we're at with recruiting. I would add a few more thoughts just overall on Kentucky going into this season, but really looking at this recruiting class as a whole. One, here's another variable from Friday night that I don't think can go unmentioned. On top of having several elite recruits in the class of 2023 on campus, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw. You also had two of the top five players in 2024 on campus as well. Ian Jackson, a guard from New York, and Carter Knox, a forward whose brother, Kevin Knox, played at Kentucky. To me, that's important for a couple reasons. One, I don't claim to be a recruiting guru. I would think Kevin Knox, the leader in the clubhouse, has to be Kentucky. But at the same time, why I think that's important is because, one, you already have a player that is committed on campus in Justin Edwards, really two with Reed Shepard. But then also, you have a top five player in the senior class that commits on the spot. And you see what the, how the fan base reacts. You see how the, the coaching staff reacts, how social media reacts. You think that doesn't play a role with those 2024 kids? So I think you just talk about a perfect scenario for Kentucky. This kid commits on campus. It's great for this coming class but it's great for the following one as well. A couple more thoughts. One, shout out to the two lead assistant coaches at Kentucky that have been there now for a year, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. I've talked about them a lot on this show. If you remember, these two guys got hired following the COVID season at Kentucky, um, where Kentucky was a disaster. The 2020-2021 season, Kentucky finishes whatever it was, 9-15, and 15, I think it was, missed the NCAA tournament. And... When that season ended, John Calipari redid everything on his roster, brought in a bunch of transfers, went older, but he brought in two high-profile assistant coaches, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, who were both working at Illinois at the time, and he basically handed them the keys in recruiting. And what I said at the time, I said, look, you're probably not going to see the impact of these guys on the 2022 class. 2023, 2024, 2025 is when these guys are going to make their hay and that's exactly what they're doing. You get DJ Wagner, you're going to have the number one class in America. And credit to those guys, right? I mean, this is why you pay assistant coaches big-time money. They're probably the two of the highest-paid assistant coaches in college basketball. This is why you bring them in. They're delivering on what's promised, which is bringing elite players and elite talent back to Kentucky. And finally, what I would say is this, and, and, and I know the non-Kentucky fans still listening are probably like, dude, I've heard this a million times with Calipari. Well, first of all, the last time Calipari had a class this good potentially – on campus, probably I would say this this is going to go up there with the 2013 class that had Julius Randle, the Harrison Twins, Dakari Johnson, et cetera. Well, that class made two Final Fours, played for a national title in 2014, and had an undefeated regular season in 2015. 
So if the argument is that you hear this all the time with Calipari, this is the best class he's had since he went to back-to-back Final Fours in 2014 and 2015. But what I would also say is I, I have heard this buzz that this could be Calipari's last real run. Um, essentially, sign the number one class in 2023. You'll have DJ Wagner, the son of your first one and done, Dewan Wagner at Memphis. And then you close out your career and go out on a high because remember, part of John Calipari's contract that he signed that was deemed a lifetime contract a few years ago, there was a clause that after 2023, 2024, he could retire and get an administrative position at the University of Kentucky for the remainder of his life. And so I think a lot of people have kind of put two and two together, sign the son of your first great recruit, go out with a bang, go out after 2024. I'll just say, I don't buy that story at all. I don't buy that narrative at all. Um, First of all, Calipari said, like, I love doing this. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Um, Two, anyone who knows John Calipari spent any time with him, I can just tell you, that is not a man that is built for retirement. He's a go, you know, he's energetic, he's fiery, he's this, he's that, he's the other thing. Um, I don't get the sense that he wants to step away. I don't get the sense that he's like Jay Wright that's burned out and wants to try other things. Even Coach K, I don't think Coach K really wanted to leave. Um, I think he was just burned out after that COVID season when he announced his retirement. Roy Williams, I think, was ready to step aside. I don't get the sense that John Calipari is at all, but what I'll say is he's going to have a heck of a class in 2023-2024 to make a run at a potential second national title. We'll see what happens here first. And uh, yeah, but I don't buy that John Calipari is, of course, leaving the University of Kentucky after next season. With that said, I think it's time for us to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Also, tell a friend if you can. By the way, how you guys liking the new mic? Sound quality is so much better. I appreciate all of you who were patient with this show while we worked through a lot of the technical issues. We should be good to go here as we ramp up towards basketball. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Thank you for your support. Thank you to our sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics. And I think that's all for today's show. Shout out to Torncrank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. Unblock me. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.